Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, July 3rd, 2021. Well, I doubt any of you have ever had the experience of having the commander of a foreign army, and not just any foreign army, a foreign army that is notoriously brutal, uh, a northern army, or an army that just took away the northern kingdom that was kind of part of your kingdom, so to speak, at one point in time, and now they're coming and talking smack to you. I don't think that's ever happened to you. But I think every single one of us has had some kind of experience in our lives where something really shook us up. Something really got us worried or anxious or made us afraid. We all have those experiences from time to time or even some of us on a frequent basis. How do we respond in those times? And what I want us to see today is the good example of King Hezekiah and how he responded in this time and how in his response, he ran to God and his prayer was really for God. Let's look at this together. Yesterday, we looked at the Rabshakeh, this official in the Assyrian military who was talking all this trash to the people of Israel and very much trying to intimidate him. And it ends with these people coming to the king with their tours, with their clothes torn and telling King Hezekiah what was said. And we pick it up in today's reading where we just read 2 Kings 19. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary, and the senior priests covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So they come and they say these things to the prophet Isaiah. And he immediately responds and says, hey, this king is going to have to go away. He's going to hear a rumor and he's going to go and he's going to fall by the sword in his own land. And so we start to see that coming to pass, but uh, the uh, the Rab can't leave without a parting shot and another word of, of talking trash to the armies of Israel. And so the first time we see Hezekiah kind of taking these things to the Lord by taking them to the prophet, well, now we have, I think, even a better picture of what we want to replicate in our own lives in verse 14, where it says, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, And we'll get into the prayer, but first, just notice this thing happens, right? He he gets a letter. Maybe there's times where you need to take a letter that you've received, or you need to take a text message that you have received, and you need to go and you need to lay it before the Lord and pray about it, because it's something that has you worried, something that has you concerned. 
And you need to, like Hezekiah, go to the God who is in control and the God who can deal with it. Because the Rabshakeh and the Assyrian army, they seemed so strong. They seemed so mighty. They seemed so intense. And while the things in your life might not seem maybe on that level, they can still seem intense and frightening to you. And you need to go to God. And look at how Hezekiah prays. He says, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And so even notice how he comes and he brings his problems to God, but he reminds himself in his prayer of how big his God is. By calling him the God of Israel, O Lord, using his covenant name, Yahweh, there, that he is enthroned above the cherubim, that he is God and he alone over all the kingdoms of the earth. We need more of those kind of thoughts in our own prayers. But the things I said we would learn from Hezekiah was not only that he went to God in this time, but also that his prayer was for God. And It talks about the kings of Assyria and all the things that they have done and how they have cast the the false gods of the other nations into the fire. But look how his prayer ends in verse 19. So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. I think that's a key part of his prayer. And that's a key thing I think that needs to be included in our own prayers. And unfortunately, I think it's a thing that is all too often missing in modern Christianity. We need to know that we can take our anxieties, we can take our problems to God in prayer, and that we serve a mighty God who can do something about that. Uh, And you'll find no shortage of preachers and sermons and YouTube videos that will remind you of those things today. But unfortunately, I think a lot of them stop short without reminding us why. Why should we even be praying this? What should really be going on in our hearts? And we see from King Hezekiah, he wasn't asking for safety just for himself. He wanted God to be honored. And that's a thing where I think a lot of what's out there in Christianity today can really just be this really, uh, you know, with with the Bible kind of sprinkled on top, really just powerful, motivational kind of self-help. Hey, God's going to help you deal with your problems. And, you know, he, he can part the seas. He can do whatever, you know, whatever is needed. He can help you with your problems. But there is not enough talk about well, why is he going to do that and why should you want that? And really, because I want God to be glorified. God is not just doing amazing things to make our lives easier or better. And our lives shouldn't be about, well, I want my life just to be easier or better. No, our lives should be about the glory of God. And that's what King Hezekiah's life was about. He was a king that was leading his nation to glorify God and away from idolatry. And so those are the things that I want us to think about in our own lives today, that when we come across problems, we need to take them for God. But even in those prayers, let's make those prayers for God, taking the problems to God and making the prayers for God, because even in our troubles, we want to be asking God, I don't just want 
you to take away my problems so I can feel more comfortable. Comfort is not my God. God, you are my God and there is no one like you. And I want you to use whatever situation is in my life to glorify you. And so let's be careful in our prayers and let's let's seek God with whatever comes into our lives today. Uh, next, let's move on as we get closer to kind of the ending of Psalm 78, uh, some ways a, a sad psalm throughout most of it. And we see more of that today as we look at verses 56 through 66. And it talks about how they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. And so it talks about how they were faithless and really starts to get more in today of how God responded and the consequences of that faithlessness. And again, let's just see this as a contrast to what we saw in Hezekiah. Um, this is very consistent with a lot of what we see in these kings as we've read through First and Second Kings. Um, and we see God yesterday, just Israel being totally exiled. But today we see a contrast, somebody that didn't test and rebel against God, somebody that didn't forget all the great things that God has done in Hezekiah. So as we see the negative here in Psalm 78, today let it maybe reinforce the positive that we saw in King Hezekiah and how he responded to the Rabshakeh. Next, let's move back to Galatians. And we look at Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And again, in Galatians, it's important to remember what is going on here. And he is seeking to defend this group of churches from false teaching that is coming in that's really adding to what is necessary for salvation. That they're saying there are some kind of works involved. And here, very likely, circumcision is what they are saying is involved. And yesterday, Paul was making clear, hey, I didn't come up with this gospel message, and even I didn't get it from these other guys. I received it straight from the Lord. But today, he talks about how he does go up to Jerusalem, and he talks to the apostles there, and they realize, hey, we are on the same page. We're preaching the same gospel. So he's saying, hey, what I'm preaching to you, Galatians, I got straight from God. And oh, by the way, it's the same gospel that the apostles are teaching. And he's trying to point out how false these teachers are. And we see um, some of Paul's commitment to this cause when it talks about, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So there he's saying we weren't going to cave to the pressure of these false teachers. Titus was not going to be forced to be circumcised because we want to make clear you don't need to be circumcised to be saved. And we don't want to give in to these false teachers who want to bring us into slavery and fear. And then he talks about just his interactions there with the apostles and just really defending that gospel message. And again, this is a gospel we want to proclaim today that salvation is through faith alone. It is based on what Jesus Christ has done and it is received through faith. That is, my friends, good news. 
And as we think about that Savior, we go back now to Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 30, where we're kind of read just the first half of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And one thing to note here, if you compare this genealogy uh, in Luke to the genealogy in Matthew, it is very different. And that, you know, people want to say, well, hey, contradiction in the Bible. What is going on here? Well, that's a good question. What is going on here? And as you start this genealogy, let me just point out three very important words to you in the very first verse where it says, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son as was supposed of Joseph. And so what I would suggest to you and what many have thought of as a reason why these genealogies look different and even based partly on those words there, as was supposed, that this is actually in Luke, a genealogy that's more the line of Mary. And so it substitutes Joseph in there uh, for Mary, because he's saying he was supposed, people thought he was the son of Joseph, but really we know he, he had no human father um, in the sense of causing him to be born. Joseph was clearly a human father in, I guess you could almost say an adopted sense, but that he was born of a virgin birth. And so while this puts Joseph, it says, as was supposed, and really it's a line through Mary, and some you can see this uh, more emphasizing the humanity of Christ, tracing him all the way back, we'll see through Adam, while Matthew is tracing more the kingly descent of David. And so you see the royal line through Joseph coming down to Jesus. Well, today you see David still, even through Mary, a, a or Jesus, a descendant of David, even through Mary. And we'll see that kind of as we read through this genealogy together. But it is great to study God's word, even passages like this, genealogy is not traditionally a favorite part of scripture. This reminds us of the virgin birth, reminds us of God keeping his promises. And as we trust God to keep his promises, the next time something comes along that makes us anguish and anxious, we can take that to God with our prayers to God and really making those prayers even for God and for his glory. And that's what we want to do. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.